0: Hello there, I'm Ryan Woods, a Spartan god, this of my own mind. You're listening to the I'm a Spartan podcast, Scott Knowles, and I'm the fuck am I doing this, man? This is fucking stupid. Are you kidding me? Doing these favors for these bums? Nah, fuck this, I'm out of here. Katie, bring me some
1: wine. I'm fucking out. I am Scott, the Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. On this episode, I have Mike Diebler, and he's going to tell us all about his new book that he just had come out called Fuel and Fire. It's a book about training for obstacle course racing, and I've read it, and it's a good book. Uh, Mike also has his own OCR podcast called The OCR Underground, and you also need to check that out as well. A little bit of news, the uh, Asheville Super Race, which is no longer in Asheville, but is still called Asheville, of course, because that's the Spartan way, is going to be at the Tryon International Equestrian Center, which is where the Ultra and Beast were in 2019. And will also be there in November this year as well. And whereas I like that venue... It's not Asheville, because Asheville is in Black Mountain. And Black Mountain has the steep inclines and the super technical, sketchy declines, which I love. But I do think that the Tron will be a great place to host a U.S. National Series race. Probably because they will have better signal out there and all that, too. But... The venue is good. There is some elevation out there. It's not perfectly flat. It has a mix of everything, and that's what I loved about that venue. It's got mixed reviews just because the weather was shit there in 2019, and it was cold, and it rained from the start of the Ultra almost until the next day. And it was a muck fest. The next day during the Beast and the Sprint, the start line was actually in several inches of water still. But to me, it was a cool venue to each his own. They have restaurants on site, lodging on site. It's just a cool venue. Also, if unless you've been living under a rock, the Hildervat race was this past weekend. VJ won it for the men. And Rebecca Hammond won it for the women. And Nicole hurt her knee coming off an obstacle, and she was the dominant force. Uh, She was coming up to the last obstacle, and uh, she had a problem with her knee coming off the rig before the last obstacle. And uh, she would have been – I think she would have easily been the winner of that race if that wouldn't have happened. But uh, it was a cool venue. You know, it was bracket-style race for the pros, You know, first six went, they did one race, two got cut out. They did another race mid-morning, and then the next two got cut out. And then on Sunday, they had the final two for the grand prize ran. So, it was at the beach. You had like a row of obstacles going down one side, and the start and corral started. And you went through those obstacles, ran down the beach about a quarter of a mile, did a bucket carry, come a quarter of a mile back through another row of obstacles, and then you repeated that three times with an exit obstacle before the finish line. And, uh, man, it was super cool to watch. Uh, and that's all I did is I went down there and watched it on Saturday. I wasn't there on Sunday. But it was just neat to see the pros go through these obstacles multiple times and see how they attacked it differently every time. And if they took the same line and went to it, you know, the same way every time. And then they had relay races, which were super fun to watch as well. And it was just cool to watch. And, uh, if you're interested in doing a race sort of like this, uh, OCR overload is having a race come July the 9th and 11th. I know it's the same weekend as Palmerton, which I'm already booked to go to Palmerton but this is, this is going to be a cool race. It's going to be have a 15K trail run, a 5K trail run, and a 10K OCR, 5K OCR, and a 3K kids OCR. And uh, I think they got a 40% off code right now, and the code's overload. So that's not a real big secret there. It's in the name. But anyway, if you want to do a cool local race that has some challenging rigs and... Uh, Aaron Frank with OCR Overload uh, helped out with the Hildervat race, and I think he designed one of the rigs that were there as well. And uh, his rigs are they're pretty tough. And um, you want to check that out if you want to do a cool local race uh, in Florida. Also, there's no new reviews right now. If you leave a review, I'll read it on the next episode. And uh, we'll just go right into the interview with Mike Diebler. Mike Diebler, what is going on today, man?
0: How much Scott? How you
1: doing? Pretty good. Uh so man, I, I brought you on because I wanted you to tell us about your book that you have just recently released. And first off, I just want to congratulate you on the book because that's a pretty awesome achievement. And I'm sure it's it's something that I think a lot of people probably always think, you know, one day I'm gonna write a book, you know, and you actually did it, and I think that's that's a I think that's a really cool achievement. So but I appreciate b- that. But before we go into that, man, just tell us a little bit Tell us a little bit about Mike, man. Like give us your background on like how you grew up and how you found the sport and just how you've become this person that you are.
0: Absolutely. So I grew up in on the East Coast in New York and I was a pretty athletic kid. You know, I took to sports pretty quickly and just wanted to play everything there was out there and just continue that as long as I could. I went to University of Connecticut. I was uh, on the track team there. I was an All-American high jumper, so I had a pretty successful career. And, um, you know, once I finished, I I definitely took my athletic skill a little bit more seriously than education. Not that I didn't do well. I just always really cared about athletics. And uh, when I graduated, like, well, I can't. I I tried to uh, qualify for the Olympics and got pretty close, but it just wasn't in the cards. So I figured I had to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And I ended up going to grad school because I wasn't quite sure yet. And I started getting involved in fitness more and performance and learning just more and more about that. I ended up getting my master's degree in exercise science, got certified as a personal trainer, kind of, you know, went through a bunch of different courses and things like that and just started. uh, Then I eventually moved out to uh, California where I am now And was training people, you know, got into my own business. I opened up a studio and um, was just trying to help people, you know, help people move better, lose weight, you know, run 5Ks, do all these different things. And it got to the point I kept getting these questions about um, like Spartan races and obstacle course races. And it I. I still was involved in, like, sports when I can play them, like volleyball, you know, loving the beach volleyball out here and stuff like that. But I never really got into running a whole lot, maybe the occasional 5K with friends or whatever it might be. And um, I kept getting these questions, though, like, what's Spartan Race? Like, what is this thing? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, I think you roll around in the mud and then you get a beer and something like that. So I was like, I better do this because all these clients are asking me and I really don't have a good answer for them. So I went out, I did a Spartan race and I kind of got my ass kicked, Um, did a bunch of burpees, got dirty, finished and was like, you know what? That was way more fun than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was just going to be this silly thing and you just kind of get dirty for no reason and, you know, run a race. But I I just I love the challenge of it. I loved all the stuff we had to do. And knew there was a better way to plan for it, so I just started to do more races. I ended up getting, you know, uh, went through the the Spartan S G X program just to learn as much as I could to help clients and just kind of like develop this passion for it. So you know, started my my own podcast on on just different ways you can train for for Spartan races and talk to other coaches and and was just building this knowledge of all these different strategies for for racing, you know, originally kind of selfishly for myself, to how do I get better at this? That I'm not the sport I'm not that good at. And then eventually getting more and more clients that were interested and in, in helping them pursue this kind of thing that they never thought they were going to be able to do.
1: Right. And so you said that you found your first race. Well, tell us like, I mean, tell us some details. What was your first race? like when did you do it, and how did it go, man?
0: All right, so this was I believe two thousand thirteen was my first race out in uh in Temecula in in uh Southern California, so it's kind of wine country um, in in Southern California, at least. And, uh, you know, just like a hilly dusty venue, not, not the prettiest area, but, um, I went in knowing nothing like just, I wore, you know, like shorts, a t-shirt running shoes was just like, I I really have no clue what I'm getting involved. And then as you you park and you walk through and I start seeing all the obstacles and I'm just like, I don't know what any of this stuff is, (laughs) any of this stuff I have to do um but whatever you know there's a ton of people you know i see like super fit people i see not so fit people so it's like I, I i'm gonna make it right i'm gonna find a way to get through this thing right and um i did it with my wife we get out there and we go and um it, it was great like we, we take off and you know we're just running uh <laughs> i remember like so i'm wearing just my normal running sneakers so anytime i see like water or a puddle or, you know, whatever, any mud, I'm running around it, trying right. to jump over things and stay as dry as possible. And then we just get to like a trench of water and they're like, jump in. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, that sucks. I'm just soaking wet. I'm not wearing any clothes that can handle water. Um, so I remember, it was pretty funny. So I remember I get to the Z-Wall and I'm like, my wife just flies across it. I'm like, Uh, this is so awkward i'm like tall and lanky and i I just can't figure this thing out And i just fell keep falling off and i'm just like how did she do that so i'm like whatever i do my burpees uh move on and then we got to this obstacle it was kind of like a weird one it was like a chain with like a cinder block or a rock on it and you had to like drag it up this big hill and we're just in line to do this obstacle and i mean there was like at least 20 people in front of us and we're like ugh. It's kind of silly. It's like, I know we can do this obstacle. Do we really want to wait in this line? So, you know, one of the volunteers are there and I'm like, uh, do we, like, can we skip this? Is there a penalty? And they're like, Oh, just 30 burpees and and you can skip it. I'm like, we'll do 30 burpees way before we get to the front of this line. And it's not (laughs) something I'm like eager to try to drag this rock. So we hop out of line, we do our burpees. And then like, I swear like 10 feet next to it's the spear throw. And then I'm like, what is this? Hmm. So the guy's like, you have to throw the spear into that haystack. And I'm like, well, how many chances do I get? (laughs) And they're like, oh, just one. (laughs) So I'm like, all right. So I just grabbed this thing, and I I don't even, it was just terrible. It just went flying over the target. And I don't think they had the string on it at that point. So, like, the volunteers to like, go running after it. So I'm like, all right, well, that was not good. And (laughs) so now we just did our 30 burpees on the last one. Do these 30 burpees. So I'm like, all right. Well, now I'm pretty tired, and like everything else in the race just like sucked because I'm just trying to climb over stuff and hang from stuff, and I'm I'm exhausted. And then I remember at the end of the race they had the uh, you know the gladiators beat you up with the uh, the jousting
1: sticks. Yeah. And just kind of get pummeled to the ground and hit the finish line and you know as i say all this it's like why would i ever do this again but (laughs) it
0: was it was just fun i remember we just kind of like all right well i have to throw away my sneakers Mm -hmm. uh good thing they give us a t-shirt i have something to change into and um yeah but we were both my wife and i were just like that was crazy like i don't even know what just happened but like i liked it and I want to do this again so we just i I can't remember how long it was before our next race but basically as soon as we can we could do another one we signed up for it
1: oh so she caught the bug too and y'all been doing it ever since
0: yeah yeah so we both we both got hooked so we kind of set the goal we're trying to you know run a race in every state oh cool so um you know we're we have a ways to go i think we're at about 15 Um, oh wow we're hoping to cross two more off this this year um and you know we'll get there but it's like we're not like in a rush to do it we just kind of want to enjoy some trips and uh if we can work in a race like one of the trips this year is a fam- uh, her family reunion is in North Carolina so mm-hmm. it just worked out that Asheville's when we're there and we're like perfect we're going to sign up for this race maybe we'll talk some family members into doing it and and get everyone out there.
1: Oh, sweet cool. I'll see you there cuz I'm going to be at that race too. Awesome. Cool. So- before you plan any of your travel, you do know that it's not in Asheville and it's not even close to Asheville, right? I know. You know <laughs> i
0: checked it all out. We're, we'll be in Asheville, but I, I I saw the race. I think we're like an hour away or whatever. Yeah. They, they like to do that, right? It's like yep. here, the Vegas race. It's, well, it's see, not even in Nevada.
1: The but, original yeah. venue, which was is actually in Black Mountain, which is like a 10 or 15 minute drive from Asheville. They uh they had to move from that venue to a different one. I don't know if it was because of COVID or something like that, but they moved it to the venue where they had the Carolina Beast in 2019, and it's an it's an equally good venue. Uh okay. the, the Asheville venue had some steeper climbs and some really technical, sketchy downhills, which I think a lot of people liked. But yeah. you know, both of the venues I enjoyed so. You'll, you'll have a good time, but I mean, you've been doing this long enough to know that you don't never book a hotel in the city where they say the race is at. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yep. (laughs) So I heard you talking about, and I remember reading this in your book about you were trying to go to the Olympics and the high jump. And I was just amazed at at how close Mm -hmm. you were to making that standard. And and you said it was like two centimeters away from making the, the standard
0: exactly two centimeters for making so basically you have to qualify to get to like the u.s trials and then once you're at the trials you have to hit an olympic standard and you know and i don't even know if they've changed the rules anymore but you know come in the top one or two or three or whatever it is so um so i was two centimeters away from making it to the trials who knows you know and obviously it's a huge mountain to climb after that but it would have been a cool experience just to make it that far so it's close just not quite there
1: that had to be super frustrating knowing that it was only two centimeters away
0: it, you know it was one of those things where it sounds small, but when you're hitting some of these heights you know two centimeters it, it's significant that it's it's still a, a challenge so it's it was um, you know obviously it was one of the hardest things I had to do was to to give that up and just to finally say i right. can't I can't do it anymore but I had so many injuries and so many issues that I was dealing with that it would, it made the decision a little bit easier knowing that, you know, especially I'm out of college, I'm not like with a team anymore. It was all on my own. You know, I have to, to pay for everything. I have to find, you know, the meets and and do all this stuff, do my own training. And it, it just got to be a lot of work. And, um, I knew, you know, even if you make it, you know, an Olympic high jumper, is not something you're making a ton of money doing. (laughs) But it's like you said, it it still would have just been cool to
1: say you went, you know.
0: Exactly. So it's kind of one of those things. Like, it would have been amazing. You know, I had that dream, but it got to the point where it just, it it was a lot. It, It was just beating my body up to do something like that.
1: So, but, and so how high was it that you could actually high jump? What was the max? So it
0: was seven feet, two inches, approximately.
1: And you, and you said you needed two more centimeters. So was that one of those things where you could say you could under that two centimeters, could you make that jump all day long?
0: Uh, no, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say all day long. I, I definitely went on, I went out on top where right. like seven feet is kind of like the four minute mile. Like it's this yeah. mental thing where you're like, no way. And then you do it, and then you do it again, and again. And all of a sudden, it, it's not as big of a deal. So it was definitely kind of like that, hitting that seven-foot mark once I hit that. And then, um, you know, it's it was kind of around that number. But, you know, and they do everything in meters. So right. um, sometimes you don't know exactly what height you're jumping, and it's good. It's just like, okay, there's the bar right there. Just get over it. Um, but then you got good at reading, you know, meters and knowing, all right, this is about... <laughs> seven feet or seven one or you start to know the the big numbers and meters and you're like all right this is a big deal to hit this one
1: so how many like jumps would you do in like a daily workout or would you even practice this every day
0: uh yeah i mean i would it would be a daily practice um at least like two to three days a week would be like our skill training where Mm -hmm. i would be high jumping other days it would be you know maybe running sprints just doing just general plyometrics lifting Um, so I mean, I'm working out at least five, six days a week, um, with two to three like days of actually high jumping. So, and in a given workout, if I can even remember anymore, it's a lot of drills, not necessarily like doing your, your jump over and over again. Right. It's, it's building up to that and then finishing the workout with some actual full, full repetition
1: jumps. Gotcha. Have you ever thought about coaching the high jump?
0: You know, I don't know if I ever would have been that good. It was, it was one of those things where I was really good at it, but I could never explain <laughs> what I was doing. Like right. I just did it, and I think
1: <laughs> I can teach jumping
0: in general. Right. But I was, I was a little unconventional with my technique. Um, you know, some of these guys, they're they're super flexible. They bend in half over the bar, and I could never do that. I, I just purely relied on power and just exploding up and, and just having enough room to kind of bend. Um, so it, it would have been, I think a challenge for me to, to put what I did into words and, and drills and techniques other than just like, here's what I did do this.
1: Cool. I, I, I knew that you were, you know, like a personal trainer. I just wondered if you had ever dabbled in that. So like you have, don't you have like your own gym or your own studio and that's what you do full time? It's like training.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do, I do quite a few different things, but my main um, job, I guess, is I I own a 5,000 square foot facility out here that we do primarily like private training and small group training. Um, And then I'm also, I guess I call myself an educator. I I teach at a community college, exercise physiology. And then I teach for a couple other companies where I get to travel around the country and teach workshops for other trainers to learn you know different different topics so they can get their you know continuing ed credits and things like that you sound like a busy guy mike i am i am but i i think i i can't do it any other way like i i have a hard time not doing stuff so i just like a full plate because i always have something to do
1: right because you got a family too right
0: i do yeah two two young ones a a five year old and a nine-year-old
1: wow you're a busy guy yeah. So, so what's what's the name of your studio in case anybody wants to check it out?
0: It's called San Diego Premier Training, and it's, it's San Diego, but it's in not uh, Carlsbad. It's right. the the city. It's in North County San Diego.
1: And so you got into this, and you started training this, and then you decided to start your own podcast about it. How did you How did you come about you know starting your podcast, and what made you kind of want to step into that realm?
0: It it was just something I was listening to a few podcasts and it just seemed like an interesting way to kind of get your message out there um, to help, you know, build, build your brand, build your name. Uh, and kind of like I was saying earlier, selfishly, I was thinking, well, this is a great way, a great excuse to talk to other coaches because I, you know, I just always love learning. And I, I am well aware that, one, I don't know everything. And two, there's a ton of stuff I, I can learn from other people that have been there or just have a different approach. So I figured, especially when I did the, the the Spartan SGX program, I started to meet a whole bunch of different coaches and just started talking to them. And I'm like, man, if we just recorded this, you know, so many people would benefit from some of the things that we were, we were talking about. I just need to start doing that. And I really had no clue how to do a podcast, how to, to record things I, I remember one of my first interviews we do the whole thing and i realized only my voice was being recorded <laughs> and his wasn't and i'm like i'm such a jerk but can we do this again <laughs> so a lot of those ones getting the audio right was a nightmare but it just it was just fun it was fun to connect with people and learn from my own training, to try things with my clients, and, and just to, to talk to different people about, about a topic that I was just getting more and more interested in. So that was kind of what made me want to to pursue the
1: podcast. You know, and I haven't even looked into it, and I remember it was a big deal like around 2015 and 2016, but are they still offering the SGX training?
0: They are. Yeah, they still do it. They have their, their level one and their level two now. Oh, wow. And. They have, like, a, a another one where it's, like, they're, uh, I forget what they call it now. It's kind of like obstacle specialist, something like that.
1: I heard that the classes were, I mean, the, it wasn't an easy course to take. Like, I mean, it was kind of a challenging course to become one.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I think that's just what Spartan likes
1: to do, right? Right. Where they're not going to make anything easy. Yeah. Um, you know, the you know, the materials, the material,
0: you know, when you're, you're learning, there's physiology in there and there's all that kind of stuff that that's the same, but then they, they throw their stuff in there. Um, obviously there's a physical portion that you have to do, which is just not fun. Um, and then you have to take a test and the test is I'm sure by design, just really difficult to take from the wording to, you know, just the specific questions they ask, uh, when we, you know, we actually did it at my facility, which was kind of cool. So I think we had like 20 or 30 trainers there going through this course. And then, you know, once you take the course, you have X amount of time to to take the test and, and you get multiple attempts. And everybody was in like a group chat all like, did any, has anybody passed this yet? Like everybody <laughs> was just failing this test because of these questions were just
1: just hard, you know, and, and not just like the content was
0: that difficult. Some of it, you know, was a challenge, but it was just the way they word it, the selection, it, it was just not, not the easiest test to take. So it was, it was a challenge.
1: I, I think the first one they ever did, nobody passed. Oh, and wow. I think that's like what they were trying to do, but then they're
0: like, all right, well, somebody has to get certified. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I remember. Like, I want to say, like a lot of the open houses that they would have an SGX coach would be like standing at the obstacles, you know, kind of giving tips and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's kind of one of the perks. Once you're certified, they they give you some some of those opportunities to you know to mingle, maybe maybe meet a new client or you know potential clients, and then just help people out when they're struggling with some of the obstacles.
1: Right on. And Mike's podcast is called the OCR Underground, right? That is correct, yeah. and and you can pretty much find it on all the podcast platforms. I always listen to it on Apple.
0: <clears throat> yeah, it's it's. I don't even know where it because I. Anytime I get an email basically saying, "Do you want to host? You know, put it on this site?" I'm like, "Yep." So it's <laughs> it's all over the place.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's about the way it goes. Even if it's not one, because bef- in before you used to had to kind of set it up to where they would accept your podcast, and now I think they just now they automatically do that and they get it you know exactly yeah, yeah. <clears throat> which makes it way easier for us i think yeah. absolutely sometimes it can be really annoying and beat your head against the wall to put these episodes out sometimes <laughs>
0: yeah I, yeah i hear that
1: <laughs> but uh so all right man tell us about your book and t- how did you come about naming it fuel and fire
0: so that that took a while it, it that it actually came from well one the concept one of the main things I wanted to make sure I addressed in the book that I just didn't see a whole lot of in in many fitness related books was the combination of nutrition and exercise and while everybody knows they're related you never really got a good answer like well, well how how do these work together and um, th- that's really where I kind of developed that well the fuel right we're going to fuel the the exercise and the and the training and then the fire just made sense because you know most of the races I was doing were Spartan races and we had the fire jump and and the goal was to get you know to get over that fire basically so that that's really what sparked that title a few on fire was just making sure I wrote something that I wanted it just to be as comprehensive as possible that you know not just training you know obviously that's in there and that's a lot of what's in there is, is how to train for all this stuff but knowing that if you if you can combine uh, specific nutrition strategies, it'll just help optimize that, that work you're putting in a little bit better.
1: And so like, so you, you're already training, you've become an SGX coach and you've got a podcast. So when did it, and you're already super busy as we've already explained, how did you decide, you know what, I'm going to write a book?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, like you said, it, I think many people have that goal and I was no different. It was like I it would just be cool, even if my mom is the only one that buys it, like to have <laughs> a book in your hand. I just feel like it that's cool. It's yeah. it's you know, just sharing your knowledge and and hopefully somebody finds it it beneficial. So I, I definitely just always had that dream. And um I I came up with this idea quite a few years ago. And I was just like, you know what, I have a pretty good system that works, seems to work well for myself and the clients that I'm working with. And I just think I can share it in a pretty straightforward manner that, that I think would, would make a pretty good book. So I just started writing. Well, first, I just wrote an outline. Like, if I wrote a book, what do I think? What are the big topics, you know, the big rocks that need to go in this book? And then it turned into, okay, I'm on, you know, obviously before COVID and, and last year, I'm on a plane quite often. You know, at least once a month, I'm flying somewhere to teach a workshop So I'm really just like watching movies, reading books and, you know, not being super productive with that time. Usually I was like, if I just sat there, even if it was for like 30 minutes, every flight I was on and just wrote some notes down, um, I could probably get this done, you know? And it kept, it was like, I'm just going to do this this year. And then it's like, okay, well, I'm going to finish it next year. And then next year, and then, you know, but I kept writing, I kept putting all this stuff down and just you know, rewriting it and editing it, editing it. And, but it was kind of all over the place. So then when last March, when everything got shut down, you know, obviously our business was heavily affected and, you know, we can't, we can't see members in person anymore. Everything's online, you know, who knows what's going on. I was basically trying not to freak out too much, which was really hard to do. Right. Obviously with, with our business, who knows, you know, we, we, you know, a lot of gyms went under, right. And it's, it's, it's just a, a terrible situation for many. We didn't know our future too well. So I was almost trying to distract myself. And I was like, you know what, I have almost the full book if I just get all this stuff to flow together a little bit better. So I think I had to write like one or two more chapters and I just sat down I'm like, it's getting done this month. So I just sat there um, reread everything like a hundred times, you know, made it, you know, cause I didn't write it all at once. So some right. parts just sounded, I repeated myself or whatever it was. So I just smooth it all out. I finish it up at the same time. I'm talking to, uh, one of the editors for Spartan who I've done a lot of writing for in the past, he wasn't with Spartan anymore, but I just reached out and I'm like, I'm trying to do this thing. And I, I really have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) And he was like, awesome. Like, just send it to me. Let me read it and we'll go from there. And he was like, hey, I just, I think that you have something here. I can definitely help you out. So he just started pointing me in the direction of, you know, what, what to do. Like once you have all this words on paper, you know, finding, you know, it's self-published, but I still had to use a company to just organize it, design it a little bit more, um, put all the pieces together. And then, um, and then it was finally like, Oh my God, this is done. Hmm. And it was just waiting for it to be put into a book and, and, you know, just, uh, kind of crazy how it, how it all came together. But, you know, last year just kind of sparked it where it was like, I just need to, to finish this. When am I going to have this much time when I'm home? Um, you know, I'm still working with clients online, but it, it was just something I had, I had extra time that I didn't typically have and I'm stuck at home anyway so might as well just distract myself and and make the most of it and then eventually just got done
1: well man it, it was very well done and it reminded me of and i can't think of the guy but the that the guy that wrote the book 8020 like this actually seems mm-hmm. like a book that could be one that he may have you know wrote because it just it the way it's explained and it just falls in lines with like if he would have wrote a book about OCR this this kind of seems like it would be it would be it. And like I said, it's a great book. And you know, there's good photo illustrations for all of the uh exercises and stretches that are in there. And you even got a link on your website where you can actually see videos for a lot of these exercises and stretches too, which I thought was really cool, you know, because when you read books and they'll show stuff and they'll explain it, it's like you, you, you don't, you can't really figure out, well, what tempo do I do this at and how how long should it take me to go through these movements? And I just thought that that was a really cool added addition to all of these illustrations is that you also have a video that you can go and watch with it as well.
0: Yeah, and I was just trying to make it as easy to follow as possible. I, you know, originally I was going to write all these long descriptions and, you know, step one, do this, step two, and I'm like if people could just watch this, it would be easier on everybody. So I just figured I'm just going to make a webpage on my website and then just throw all the videos on there. So you read the book, you know, you can check out the pictures, which some of them are pretty straightforward. But if you haven't seen it, you know, check out the video, all the videos on there and you can see exactly what what uh, you're supposed to look like.
1: Oh yeah, man. It's like YouTube. I don't know how to fix this. Go to YouTube. Somebody's made a video yeah. of it.
0: hundred percent. Yep.
1: But you know, and I thought it was a really cool addition to the book is, that you had a, a chapter on like an assessment where you can kind of see where your skills are at now. And I thought that those tests were pretty challenging and they're pretty cool too, to kind of, uh, base what you're, you know, where you're at and, and how did you decide to come up with those certain skills?
0: So a lot of those came from other other areas, other other books, other resources, um, some pretty, um, you know, one of the companies I work for, like is called functional movement systems, and they do a lot of this stuff. So uh, some of those assessments are kind of borrowed from from there because they they have so much data and so much research behind a lot of what a, a lot of those tests where we know, hey, if you can do it do this exercise for this long or do this much weight or whatever it might be. We know you're in a pretty good category or not so good category. So um, that's where a lot of those tests came from. And I just wanted to make sure are we covering, you know, how well you move, right? It's like something as simple as, can you touch your toes? Like here's super self, uh, easy self assessment. If you can touch your toes, not that everything is perfect in your, in your movement, but we know you, you can check that box. If you can't, that's a big, a big thing you should probably should want to work on um, before you go pick up some weights and do some kettlebell swings and, and deadlifts. You know, let's get you to touch your toes first, uh, get some good mobility and control and, and then do those things. So that's, that's where a lot of those tests came from. So I want to make sure, Hey, what are we doing that? makes sure you at least can check like the move well box. Like you at least can do some, some basic movement patterns and then, you know, looking at endurance, looking at power, at strength, all of these different things to to see are you are you doing it pretty well or is this an area that maybe we want to work on cuz you know that was one of the hard things with like writing a book and you know something like this there's no perfect answer or program it's just you know kind of ideas and but if you can uh, at least see where you're pretty good and not so good now you can start to tailor the program a little bit better for you right, right? so if i have somebody who you know they're running a mile and a half and you know, eight minutes or, you know, something crazy It's like your speed and is, and endurance is looking pretty good. Um, but you can't touch your toes or you can't do two push push-ups, right? It's like, I know where we need to spend our time. And I think you, a lot of that you can do on your own. And it's just kind of looking at yourself, like I'm good here. Not that you ignore it, right? Just because you're, you're fast. It doesn't mean you never work on speed. It just means maintain that while you improve some other area of fitness.
1: Yeah. and And I, and I noticed you actually had a, like a little training calendar in the back that kind of gives you like a one month uh, training guide as well. So, and, and that was my next question. So if you, after you did like a month of the training guide, would you go back and redo the assessment to see what you gained?
0: Absolutely. Like assessments should always be like an ongoing thing, right? So because right. it, it can go either way. Like sometimes I'll work with somebody and you know, if we, if they, they have the goal, they want to get on a podium, by any, any means necessary, right? Like they're just gonna train super hard. I, obviously we're gonna be smart about it, but let's just say after all of this training, maybe some other uh, assessments got worse, right? Because we we focused so strong on certain areas and maybe neglected other ones. So now I know, hey, we got through this race. Maybe if we think about this as like your off season, let's go back and try and improve those things that maybe we, we lost a little bit. Um, or just to know, hey, I, um, my strength is not where it needs to be. I'm going
1: to go through a four week training program and I should see improvements. And if I reassessed and it gets better,
0: then I know what I was doing worked pretty well. I think I should do more of that. If it didn't now, you know, Hey, you just learned whatever you just did. wasn't the right approach. And now we're going to try something different and move on.
1: Right. And one thing to me that when I read the whole book, this was the only thing that I was, I was iffy on and it was in chapter five, you were talking about, you know, zones of exercise and you were going off of like a three zone method instead of like, you know, your typical five zones that you see on a watch um, it to me why you decided to go and do it this way instead of five and and seeing if it's what the one what I'm thinking,
0: sure. Uh, you know, so that was a tough one uh, to decide that and honestly, it came down to i tr- I wanted to make this a simplified version of using training zones right because I don't always know pe- you know a lot of people that I talk to when they start working with me have no idea on any zones right so this was the easiest way I can explain here's kind of the idea behind zones. So it's like a high, low, medium or high, medium, low. Uh, but I personally prefer the five zone because I think we can dial it in a little bit better. Right. So that's, that was really the only reason I put the three cause I could, ex- I thought I could explain it way better. And I think it's a perfect starting point for a lot of people. Then once you get the hang of it, we can dial that in way, way more. Use a five-zone training, uh, five zone training zone and alter those workouts a little bit better.
1: Because the way I was reading it, I mean, to the best that I could see, is like zone one would be more or less like zone one and two in a five-zone yeah. method. And like zone three and, well... I guess zone three would kind of go into four a little bit and be right before lactic threshold, and then zone three would be lactic threshold and above, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Right. So there's there's like big gray areas with a, a three zone <laughs> where if you're trying to use both, yeah, your zone one is is zone it's going to be zone one, but yeah, you're you're creeping into zone two, and now your zone two it's kind of the later stages of zone two mainly zone three, right. But maybe even touching a little bit of zone four and then your zone three is your zone five, but still kind of hitting that zone four. So, right. uh, so it, this was a challenge to figure out. I went back and forth. Do I want to go five zone, uh, or, And I ultimately just decided, I think, this is an easier way to implement this. Um, And if you don't, you know, if you do metabolic testing, you're going to get numbers way more accurate. Right. But, you know, with the assessments we used, I wanted to do things that was practical for, for anybody, right? You can do some of these time trials. You just need a heart rate monitor. You can figure all this stuff out. And now you know at least these three training zones to go
1: from. Right. Well, cool, man. So, I mean, I'm out of a, I'm out of questions about the book. Is there anything that you want to add to that, Mike?
0: Um, no. I I mean, it, it, I I hope it's it's a useful um tool for people, and you know, just like you know, I talk about with my podcast and when I talk to other people, it's it's not the only method. I just when I looked for you know, other training plans out there, um, in a book form, you know, there are some, but there wasn't a whole lot. And I just thought, why not, you know, throw my system out there and, and hopefully it, it resonates with people to kind of get them really just thinking about, you know, really the, the goal was think about what you're doing through programs and not just, you know, working out to work out. Like it's the, you know, one of the big things is we train, for a specific reason, and I know some people want to train to get bigger weights um, or run faster, or whatever, you know, hit a specific number. But a lot, if you have the goal of "I want to race better," I want to get on a podium, which was a lot of the, the kind of questions I was getting. I was like, "I need something I can, a system I can use that I can repeatedly use um, to get better and better, and, and start to manipulate things." And, and that's that was kind of the approach I was going for. And if nothing else, you kind of start to question. Am I just training to train, right? Am I just trying to go out there, run as far as I can, as hard as I can every single time and never really think about pace, about heart rate? Am right. I just lifting weights until I want to throw up? Or am <laughs> I thinking, well, am I trying to get stronger right now?
1: Am I trying to build endurance? What's the, what's the point of doing this stuff? Not
0: just like, I'm going to go lift weights and I hope it gets my grip stronger so I can you know get across the rig. Um, there's, there's way more strategic ways we can plan it. This is just, you know, some of the things I thought were helpful that I put in here, but obviously there's lots of different
1: different options out there. It's just finding whatever works best for you. Yeah, the grip the grip strength section in the book was was really well done and and there's a lot of good chapters in the book. There was a chapter on recovery and endurance and like I said the strength training and you had a tactical training. And you talked about nutrition and mental training. And uh, it was just, it was a good read. And I thought it was, it was one of, I I enjoyed the book a lot. And I thought it was a a good read. And if you're trying to up your game, you know, what can it hurt? I mean, because I just think that any little bit helps when you're out there trying to get better at OCR. And I don't think anybody has got, it's such a new sport. And I mean, I know it's over 10 years old at this point, but. Is so new that I don't think anybody has 100 maybe Ryan Atkins does, has that 100% <laughs> grasp on just how to crush it. And we even yeah. saw this past weekend at Hildervat, you know, VJ's coming out to these shorter races and he's showing his dominance there. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. just this sport is evolving and it's, uh, it's exciting to watch. And I'm sure you're like me. I'm happy and proud to be a part of it as it grows.
0: Yeah. Honestly, I think that's what, what drew me a lot to it. and want to work with people because there's so many different angles you can approach this because you can't just be a great runner, right? Like sure. That helps, but you need other attributes to, to be successful and you need to figure out the best way to do that. And, and like you said, we're all learning, right? We're right. Uh, 10 years is not that long and we're going to get more, more information, we're gonna try more things and we're gonna figure out, you know what, that wasn't the best way to do it. This way is way better. And I'm gonna start doing it this way and and until somebody proves me wrong. So it's but it's fun because it's you know, it's boring doing the same thing over and over again. It's it's fun to change things up and see see how they improve.
1: Yeah, and, and it's like this sport just brings so much more to the community that um, you know thrives within because you go to a five K and it's over and you're like you know, it's, it's, it's done. Everybody goes home, but when you go to these races, you know, and if you get into it and you go the more you go to the more friends you make and it's, it's a community, it's, it's a party of friends and you're all thriving in the same sport. And I just think that's, it's, it's just an, it's also an awesome feeling to go to one of these races to me.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And just to get that support too, where, you know, your competitors are going to cheer you on, right? right. We, we all want to do well. We're, we're fighting the course
1: right now, not each other. That's right, man. It's like you're having a race out there with your family and friends, man, and it's it's yeah. always exciting to me. I, I've never seen just people just getting a, uh, a hateful beef on the course, you know. So it's just yeah, it's just a fun sport. Yeah. Well, Mike, Absolutely. everybody that I bring onto the show, I usually ask them the same questions. So I want to ask you too. Uh, to this day, what has been your most favorite race and why? But most favorite race. It doesn't um, have to be OCR either. Just any any sport event.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think I I, I gravitated right towards uh, Hawaii, um, the the trifecta weekend out I there. Awesome. I'm trying to remember what year we did it, but uh, obviously for the or for the obvious reasons, right? Gorgeous venue, being in Hawaii. But just you know, that was another one. My wife and I we don't always run races together, you know, especially now we go more like age group and we're getting more and more competitive, but that was one. We did the entire thing together and, you know, being in an amazing place, uh, such a fun race and, and just doing all three races together and helping I mean, we both, (laughs) we both had our moments, you know, where we just like, this sucks, (laughs) but to help each other get through it. You know, her, her, she struggled the first day on the beast and then I was kind of getting it over it the next day, but, Uh and then just hitting the finish and and looking back at what we just did was really cool. But being able to do that together, I think was definitely one of my more memorable races.
1: That's a bucket list race for me, for sure, man. It's expensive to get to Hawaii from Georgia.
0: Oh, even from California.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So now I want to reverse that question and what's the race that you like the least and why?
0: The least. So I'm gonna say Vermont, Killington, and I feel bad saying this because <laughs> it was a gorgeous day, um, great venue, uh it was just, just gorgeous there. But <laughs> so the that weekend, uh I, I we flew out there on I I guess the race was Saturday, so on or maybe it was Sunday. No, we we've got to the race Sunday. Saturday I did a 5 mile race at Yukon uh, where I went to college so a, a a teammate of mine who was a navy seal was killed um, back in 2017 uh hmm. killed in action so we we all got back and we did this you know memorial 5 mile run on campus to honor his memory they started a a, a foundation for him and, and all this great stuff but I just got back together with a whole bunch of college buddies that I hadn't seen in, in how long. So you can imagine what happened after the race. Did
1: you get snockered? And had to get up at like
0: 4 in the morning to drive to Killington and oh, wow. take on the beast there. And I was pretty much a zombie on the start line, just like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this. And it was... That's probably the closest I came to like walking off a course where I was just like, I, I don't know. I just don't know if it was worth it. Luckily I didn't. I pulled through and and again my wife helped me get through that one. But man, I, I think we got to like the second second but uh it was either the second bucket or second sandbag. And I was just like, Nope, no. I just I just don't wanna do this right now. And uh that, that was a rough one. So I, I I loved the venue. It was a great race, but in the condition I was in that had to have been my, my worst race, my least favorite.
1: So did you like go out and crush it at that five mile run or was it kind of like a fun run?
0: I, all right. So that's the thing, like talking to all my old teammates, you know, before I flew out there, we're just talking trash left and right. Oh, I'm God. a high jumper. So I am like my runs back in college were like half a mile. Like that was <laughs> as far as I would run. Cause you just don't need endurance to be a high jumper. So, All the runners, but I've been running a little bit. I'm doing, doing some Spartan races and I'm, I'm way better than, um, back in college. So I'm talking trash. I'm like, I'm, you guys are like all old now and fast (laughs) and, and I'm going to beat you. (laughs) I'm still in shape, you know, but they're all like former 1500 meter guys and and three mile guys and, and all this stuff. So. Uh, I went out hard, and they still crushed me. So <laughs> <laughs> I just I just take off, and about halfway through, a couple miles in, I hear them all coming up behind me, just joking and, and giving me a hard time. So I, I went out hard, and I tried.
1: That's but, funny. Uh,
0: I wish I could say I beat them, but <laughs> I paid for it and, and the next day as well.
1: That's funny. So, Mike, what is, like, your race... Day a race weekend ritual so like it's Friday night do you have like a ritual that you go through uh, Saturday morning before the race if you're going to race on Sunday is there anything important that you do after the race Saturday to get ready for the race Sunday tell us all your secrets man
0: <laughs> definitely so if it's a single race like hey it's Saturday I'm doing doing something it, it kind of depends on the distance um but the the main thing is i want to go into that race feeling as fresh and recovered as possible so uh just it it sounds simple but just planning out my morning or planning out my pre-race day i guess you would say or morning the night before like just knowing here's how it's going to go here's in a perfect situation how things are going to happen you know from okay you know what time do i need to get up what time do i want to get there just having that all laid out um you know getting a good night's sleep and just making sure I, I give myself the opportunity to get to bed early. So I'm going to get as you know, close to eight hours as I can. Um, meal wise, I like to have a big meal, not like crazy, but a, a decent sized meal the night before just making sure I'm, I'm getting my carbohydrates. I'm, I'm getting my fats. I'm getting my protein. Uh, I don't stick to like, I just, this is my pre-race meal. Um, I, I like to mix it up and, and it just kind of depends as long as I'm getting good sources of, of everything. Right. Um, and it's not like a carb. like I'm not doing the pasta thing the
1: night before. If I, if I did a carb loading, it would be like a multi-day
0: thing to, uh, to build up to that day before, but just kind of a good, a good meal, not too close to when I go to bed. Cause I don't want it to interfere, you know, with Let's my sleep. sleep, anything like that. Um, and then, uh, the day of the race it's it's really I go through my typical you know i i know i I need to eat a few hours beforehand, so earlier races that can be difficult, so it might be more of a liquid diet in the morning just so I can get something down um I'll usually get eat something a little bit closer to race time, just something again easily digestible could be like it could be like a gel or a goo or mm-hmm. you know blocks or something like that, but I do want something kind of immediate within like 30 minutes of, of time I'm going to go. Um, cause I know it, when you, when you, when you're at the start line, you're kind of amped up, you know, your heart's racing, you're, you're, you're going to need some extra sugar, right, right off the bat. So I just kind of like to load up a little bit before, um, close to race time. And then just going through my normal warm up routine, just making sure I'm, I'm getting some mobility work in, getting the, the ankles, the hips, the shoulders ready to go. Um, I guess my big secret would be just making sure I'm doing some kind of breath work. Um, and just, I might do, uh, like some breath holds I might do, you know, almost like Wim Hof breathing, kind of like the faster, deeper, almost hyperventilating. Um, it just seems to work really well to one, it gives me something to focus on and just, you know, kind of almost like a little meditation type time to, to just focus on my breath and be present. Uh, and just get ready ready to get out there and kind of good be in a good good space for it if um if i have a race the next day uh then i will definitely try and get some some fuel and get some food in right after the race to just start to to refuel because they'll probably be racing in you know less than 24 hours so the sooner you can get some of the the carbohydrates in the better off you're going to be, and then just kind of doing it at regular intervals. So I'll get kind of a more carbohydrate-rich meal right after the race within, you know, an hour or so, and then every few hours just making sure I'm I'm snacking and then adding in proteins and, and, and fat after that, and just making sure I'm taking care of my body. If, if I'm a little sore, tender, do I need to do some foam rolling? Um, can I get in water at all? Water's going to do a lot of great things. You know, not, not necessarily an ice bath. That's always nice if yeah. you have that option, but just jumping in a pool, you know, just, you know, getting weightless for a little bit to kind of give your joints, your muscles a little bit of a break and help speed up that recovery a little bit. So those, those are kind of the big things that I'll go to pre-race and then working on back-to-back races.
1: Right on. Well, what, what else you got planned for this year? I know you said you were going to go to Asheville. What else you got planned?
0: So right now, actually in a couple of weeks, we're going to go to New York um, and do the sprint there in, uh, Bethel. So right. It's actually not that far from my parents' house. So I haven't seen my parents in like a year and a half or two years. So mm-hmm. we're going to go see them and do a race while we're there. Then, uh, July, right. Is, is Asheville. Mm-hmm. And then the only other race I have planned right now is, um, Tahoe, assuming that happens, but I'm just, yeah. I'm not super confident of, uh, Race is going off in California, but I I hope I'm wrong. Um, Supposedly, we're supposed to open up in in June, but Mm -hmm. we'll see See what actually happens.
1: So is everything still pretty uh, tied down there for COVID restrictions?
0: Uh, I mean, most things are open. Like, our our gym's open. We're at 25%. Um, And, you know, restaurants we can eat in, still limited capacity. Um, And it depends on what county you're in. San Diego County is a little bit behind right um something like la's more open than us and orange county's a little bit more open so but supposedly they're saying june 15th is like the magical day when when we're 100% open oh, cool. so we'll, we'll see we'll see if that's true and and i hope
1: we start seeing some actual races out whether it's just you know local 5k's and and stuff like that to start with would be nice to to start seeing again but oh, that- um
0: yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping I can get up to Tahoe. But those are my only three races right now. Uh, a Big Bear is one I, I always love to do. Again, I'm just not – I don't know. So it's it's hard to sign up for all these things when right. – at least out here. Right? That's why I'm way more confident on the East Coast to, oh, yeah. to sign up for some stuff. But we'll see.
1: I know I was surprised here recently that they just said that they were going to have a kids race at Palmerton. Because I was – you know, in the beginning, Pennsylvania was one of the more strict states. So – that was kind of a relief to see that because we've already got flights yeah. booked.
0: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So uh, hopefully just as more and more events go on and, and they see, you know, things are running smoothly, we can just kind of get back to it. But it, it'd be nice to do some more races out here. So we'll see.
1: So are they letting – because I know the first thing to open up in Georgia was trail races. Or uh, Do they have any trail races going on over there?
0: Um, you know, like on a local level, I right. haven't really seen a whole lot oh, happen wow. yet. So, um, and, and there might be that they're just not, you know, advertising for big, right. big numbers. So, but I, I, haven't really seen too many other races. I, I, well, I've seen some scheduled, but I,
1: I haven't seen anything actually happen yet. Wow! Well, I think hmm. everybody's trying to wait till June
0: to, to like actually hold an event.
1: Hmm. Dang. How much is gas yeah. over there right now?
0: Uh, I just try not to look. It's like four, four something. Oh my god, 430. Yeah,
1: it's like 279 here, and it's just oh, gone geez. up.
0: No, but. it's 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 always ridiculous out here. Um, it was nice when I was training for my ultra, I'd run to work all the time, so it was like, all right, I'm just gonna run, I don't need a car anymore.
1: <laughs> Which ultra did you do?
0: I did uh, Tijon, uh, Tahone Ranch out here.
1: Oh, was that a that was a pretty hard one, wasn't it? It was. I mean, I'm sure they're all hard you know, in their way. <laughs> yeah. but it was. It was um, nice. Nice bit of elevation,
0: but um, but it was good. Yeah, it was. It was a really good one.
1: Mm, that's awesome. I love doing yeah. the ultras, even though my body might not agree with me on every one I do. <laughs> but it's yeah, just they're
0: they're a unique creature for sure.
1: Yeah, it's just fun getting to geek out your plan and what you're going to put in your bucket, and you know, mm-hmm. just doing an all day obstacle course race is just or spartan race That's just that's a good time to me
0: yeah yeah
1: and then seeing all the open waivers on your second on your second lap too is always cool
0: yeah and it's always cool like when people just let you go you know as lines start to build up right and they're like you know ultra coming through and you just kind of do your thing and go yeah. um, so that's always kind of definitely a lot of respect out there
1: you got any ultras playing this year
0: uh not right now um it's it's it, th- this year was just such a mess. Yeah. That, um, not not for this year. We're gonna see how next year goes.
1: Hmm. Well, Mike, uh, let us know uh, where people can find you, and you know if they want to uh, check out your book.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So I'm I'm pretty much everywhere. You know, you can find me on on Facebook. Um, just search Mike Diebler. I'm sure I have a, a website, and I just never remember what what the actual. Uh, I think it's like Mike Diebler 5, and I don't know why it's Mike Diebler 5, <laughs> but it's something like that. Um, or Instagram, uh, at OCR Underground um, is, is where I do a lot of the OCR stuff. If you want to check out the studio, that's at SDPT for San Diego Premier Training. So I just do a lot of training and, and fun stuff on there. Uh, and then, like you mentioned, you can check out the, the podcast, uh, OCR Underground Show, and then and then, just my website, OCR Underground. So all pretty pretty easy to remember. Uh, for the book, you can find it on Amazon, Fuel and Fire. Um, you can also go through the publisher, which is outskirtspress.com slash fuelandfire. But Amazon's probably easier just to,
1: to search for it in there. Cool, Mike. Hey, man, I appreciate it.
0: All right. Thanks for having me on. It's been awesome.
1: Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Mike again for taking time to talk to us. Uh, check out his podcast OCR Underground and check out his new book Fuel and Fire. I know most people don't read books anymore because they're busy on their phone, but if you enjoy reading books on like fitness and nutrition, this book is really going to hit home to you because it's about what we do is, and that's OCR. So, like I said, I enjoyed the book. I enjoyed, and it's cool that the exercises, you know, and the the movements that are in the book. He has video illustrations on his website too, and uh, I just thought that was really neat because when you see the when you see a picture, you know a picture is worth a thousand words, but a video is worth a million. So, you know that was really cool to see too. And and Mike is very easily, you know, to reach. You can I mean you can hit him up on Facebook Messenger and he'll respond back to you fairly quickly too if you have any questions about anything as you see in the book as well. But anyway, check that out. My next race is going to be the Fayetteville Trifecta Weekend. I say that, and if the ultra goes well and I feel good on after that race Saturday, I'm going to probably try to limp through the Super and the Sprint on Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a hot race, man. Uh, it would. I, this is going to be one race where I totally wouldn't mind if we had showers the day of because it would cool everything off. You know, I I remember that I haven't been to that venue since 2017, and I remember it being flat then. So maybe it'll be a pretty fast race. Who knows? But anyway, next week I uh, probably won't do an episode because I'm going to be in Daytona on vacation, getting fat. But anyway, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next race. Peace.